Jane, good friend, but he says, whatever you do, don't switch the mic on before you start speaking, because you might end up singing, and that's the last thing we want. <laughs> friends, I'm not telling a lie, two of us were told, don't go anywhere near the mic when they're singing, but I'm not saying which two, is that correct? <laughs> it is good to come and share fellowship with you. Tremendous privilege and a, a joy. Uh, I'm sure I've said this before, but um, I came a little bit early, um, as I, I tend to do, and I listened to the two musicians going through the songs. It's just great. I, I was so blessed, so thank you. Um, oh, he's gone home. So, oh, he's back there. <laughs> so, so, but what a joy, what a, a blessing, can I say, to use a fellowship to have people like that to help you worship the living God. That's, that's tremendous, so thank you again. If you want to follow the, the Bible, um, we're going to look at the third chapter of 2 Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter 3. Um, the first two chapters of the, the short letter, Paul covers the um, second coming of Jesus Christ. And the situation was that the, the Christians there, uh, at first they were um, getting into a bit of panic because Jesus hadn't yet returned. And they were getting upset about that. Then somebody told them, oh, Jesus has come, but you've missed him. So Paul was writing uh, about that as well. And he covers in those few chapters, it'll be a great day for God's people because their hope will be fulfilled. It'll be a great day because evil will be defeated. But it'll be a very sad day, it'll be a very bad day for many people because they'll face the judgment that awaits them. And all that's in the first couple of chapters, but now we're going to pick up the story because Paul says he's going to move on. So it's 2 Thessalonians, and it's chapter 3. As for other matters, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may be spread rapidly and be honoured, just as it was with you. And pray that we might be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, what we've been thinking about already, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things <coughs> excuse me, we command. May the Lord direct your heart into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, labouring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Favoring when we were with you, we give you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. 
We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, earn the food they eat. And this for you, for there's never tired of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. And now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is a distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's just pray a moment. Heavenly Father, I've already alluded to, your spirit is moving and has moved. Whether it be the reading of your word or the, the worship of the songs. And we just pray, Lord, that you might have accepted our worship, that it might be honourable to you, that it might have come from the heart. And Father, now as we turn to your word, we thank you for your word. We believe it is a living word of God. And Father, we believe by the Holy Spirit he might come and show us Jesus this evening. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. As I say, Paul is moving on. And the first thing he does is cover the subject of prayer. And Paul asks by saying, will you pray for me? Will you pray for the people I'm with? And, and this is certainly not the first time Paul asked for prayer. If you go through his letters, he's either asking for prayer or he's, he's thanking people for prayer. It just seems to become, for want of a better word, natural to him. So we have this great man of God, possibly one of the, the best known Christian people, uh, certainly of the, the New Testament times and perhaps even throughout ages. And God used him in such a a tremendous way, and yet he was never short in asking people to pray for him. I wonder if we do the same. I wonder if we find it, find it easy to, to pray for other people. There's so many, so many things that we need prayer for, isn't there? In fact, perhaps it would be easy to list those things. We don't need support in prayer. Things like our work, our family, just our hopes, our ambitions, our health. It could go on and on and on. We need to get into the habit of being feeling confident in asking for, for prayer. And if you don't do that, perhaps uh, that's a, a challenge for you tonight. Learn to go to other Christians. Learn to go to the fellowship. And say, I'm really having a, a problem with this. Oh, I'm facing this this week. Will you as a fellowship pray for me? And for those of us who already deal that, perhaps the challenge is this, because it certainly challenges me. There's certain things that I find it so easy to go to a fellowship and say, will, will you pray for it? 
perhaps come tonight or let people know now. Will, will you pray? I'm sharing God's word there. But there's other things I'm very reluctant. That problem in the family that I don't want people to know about. That thing I'm struggling with as a, as a Christian and I'd rather not other people know about it. Because you hear people talking and sharing, for want of a better word, gossiping, don't you? And somehow we've got into this culture, even as Christians, that we, we don't share what's on our heart. We don't share what's causing us concerns and the, the problems that we, we go through and we, we take it on ourselves. Can I have, if you, if you challenge with that, the way I'm trying to, to get around it, is just having two or three people. Just having two or three people that you trust, that you know will pray, that you'll know won't break your confidence, that you know will spend time before God on your behalf. So whether it's asking a, a whole fellowship, as Paul seems to be asking here, or whether it's just asking two or three people, let's get into the habit of sharing and asking people to pray for us. There's no shame in it. There's clear examples of it in, in Scripture. Let's turn to what Paul prays for. He prays for two things. First topic, prays for the gospel. And again, he speaks that in two. He says that the word of the Lord might spread and that it might be honoured. We can read about it in verse 1. Paul recognising the need of prayer to accompany the gospel. And I'm sure most of you already do this. So can I just encourage you to keep on doing it? That work with the young people, pray for it. The, the workers, ministers come and share fellowship with you, pray for it. That conversation you have with your neighbour and with your family and with your friend, cover it, surround it in prayer that the Lord might bless him. Keep on praying for those things that the church does as a church, for the outreach things they do. Cover it, cover the people involved in prayer. Whatever is done either as an individual or whether it's as a church, if it's done to proclaim the gospel, the devil's not going to be happy. You will come against opposition. It needs to be covered in prayer. And as we pray, pray like Paul did. The gospel might spread rapidly, just as it did amongst the Thessalonians. That it might be what you call, the Bible calls good soil. It might be receptive hearts that God, people might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. The other thing Paul asked for is that the gospel might be honoured. I think this might be slightly more difficult. We, we need to pray that the gospel might be respected. And what I mean by that is, sometimes, or it seems to me, that people are willing to accept Jesus as Savior and everything comes with it, but they don't respect him as Lord. They don't respect it, that their lives are now his, and we need to submit to his authority. I know there's different thinking on certain subjects 
Uh, and that's fine, because what we th tend to disagree on, we call them minor points. I'm sure you've heard the, the phrase before. And Christians can stand side by side on these. Even though they disagree on the minor points, we all want in Christ. But the, the one thing we, we can disagree on is the major points. And it seems to me that the things in the major get past the, the minor. If we need to spread the gospel, we've got to respect Jesus Christ as Lord. We need to come under the authority of Scripture. We can't just accept the gospel and say, I will make it fit my life and my beliefs. We need to honour the word of God. Second thing Paul asked for, appears that the people he's writing to, the Christians he's writing to, may be delivered from wicked and evil people. Paul is under no illusion just how difficult it's going to be for those Christians. He's under no illusion the Christian life is going to come against opposition. He says, the claim suggests he'll come against wicked and evil people. He states the obvious. Not everybody has faith in Jesus Christ. And I would suggest that anybody who's given their life to Jesus Christ has exactly the same experience. They'll come across even people they love, even people in their families who do not submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. There is much in the world that can be described as wickedness and evil, and I'm sure we could all name it. Let me just state the obvious. When, when we're looking for evil, we're not looking for someone in a, a red onesie with, with a tail and horns and a, a, a fork. This is how somebody called Victor Sinelli puts it. Talking about the work of Satan, he says this way. Satan continues his efforts to make sin less offensive, heaven less appealing, hell less horrific, and the gospel less urgent. Let me say those again. Satan continues his effort to make sin less offensive. Is that not happening in our society? Are more and more things not being accepted as the norm? Heaven less appealing. People talk about heaven as boring. As why would you want to go there? Nothing good happens there. Hell, less horrific. Hell's become a joke. Nothing to be frightened of. And because heaven's less appealing and hell is less horrific, what's the need of a gospel? You've got nothing to be saved from. You've got nothing to go to. And this is happening all around in society today. Paul says, may God deliver us from the wickedness and evil of the world. I suggested that that's a good prayer for you and I. It's a good prayer for our fellowship. In fact, perhaps we can even enlarge that by what I mean is, can we not pray that God might deliver our homes and our villages and our land from the wickedness and from the evil that is all around us? So in the first couple of verses... Paul prays for the furtherance of the gospel 
and that people might be delivered from evil. I'm sure most of us can see our mentors present. Perhaps it's prayers we can learn from as well. Moving on. Paul goes on to say that he has confidence that the people he's writing to are not only doing great now, and he has confidence that they'll continue to do great as well. Paul has confidence, even though these people are going to come across evil, they're going to come against wicked people, he has confidence that they're going to continue in their, their Christian walk. When I had the, the privilege of being a, a skilled governor and I had a meeting with the, the leaders of the school, we had some tremendous talks about, about different things and it wasn't just me on one side and everybody else on the other end. I have to be very careful what I hear because I'm trying to look, look, look at teachers, next teachers, and any teachers over here. Champion, I'm going to talk over But would seem to, to split the, the staff room, as it were. And it was all about the environment that you were creating for the children and how important it was. Let me try and um, explain the two different arguments. One set would say the environment is so important, the teaching's got to be right, the encouragement's got to be right, the atmosphere's got to be right, they have to be supported by fellow students, and everything has to be right. And if you make the right environment, children will reach their full potential. That's one side of the argument. The other side of the argument was, if you get all that right, children can achieve anything. Notice the difference? Some believe with the right environment, children can do everything, or anything they set their minds out, other people says, no, they'll just reach their full potential. I'm certainly not going to make a comment either way, in case I get anything thrown at us. But listen, when Paul's writing to these people, he's not on about the environment. But when you think about it, even though they were against wicked people, the environment was good. The teaching they would get was from Paul himself. They were doing well. Paul says, you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. In the early chapter, it talks about this love that they had for each other. So that the environment was great. But this is what Paul wrote, writes in verses 3 and 4. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And then he says in verse 4, We have confidence in the Lord that you were doing and will continue to do the things we command. Paul says, listen, as good as things might be, as good as the teaching you might be getting, I'm not putting my faith in that. I'm not putting my trust in that you love each other now. I'm not putting my trust in the things that you're doing now. I'm putting my trust in God. He is the one who's got you this far. And it is by grace that God will see you home. Now, please don't get me wrong. The teaching you receive is of vital importance. I'm sure you, you all acknowledge that. Your fellowship is so important. The love that you have for one another is so important. The things you're doing for God is so important. 
but it will be God who will see you home. By His grace. Grace has got us to this point. Grace will see you home. Please don't put your faith in your new pastor. and May God bless him and use him mightily. Please don't put it in a fantastic worship group. Don't put it in the fellowship. Put it in Jesus Christ, in God alone. Let me move on. Verse 5. We will be finished by 10 o'clock, I promise. Verse 5 says this. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Back in the early 1200s, when Frankie was just a young lad, you won't tell him that, Denise, will you? No, thank you. But there was a bishop of Cyclester named Richard, and he had a bit of a battle with the king, Henry III, at that time. Um, but this bishop was a, a man of faith. But he was, because of what he said and because of what he'd done, he was, um, all his titles and all his lands were, were taken away from him. But he penned this prayer. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, May I know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly. Amen. And I'm sure some of you, looking around, probably half of you won't be able to remember it, but a long time ago there was a film called Godspell. And for those who can remember, it was 50 years ago the film was made. I think I was about two, but never mind. <laughs> but they had a song in, in that film and it made these words very famous the song went to know thee more clearly to love thee more dearly to follow thee more dearly and the song went day by day by daily strings i pray but those sentiments could be very much based on this verse let me read it you again may the lord direct your heart into god's love and christ's perseverance Paul is saying, listen, you're doing great now. And I, I trust God for the future. But don't let your faith end there. Look to go deep into Christ's love. Look to go deep into the knowledge of Christ. Learn to more closer in your walk with him. Be more aware of the presence of Jesus I wonder if that's a prayer we pray. Is that something we, we even want for ourselves? Or are we content with where we are? Are we content in our relationship with Jesus? Or do we long to go deeper? Do we long to go closer to him? I wonder if we've ever prayed. Imagine you get up on a a Sunday morning and you're thinking about the days ahead and one of the prayers is Lord as I, as I go in and as I worship and as I, I sit under the expanding of your word I just pray that I might know you more I just pray that I, I might follow you more, more closely I, I love where you brought me to today but I want to go deeper I want to know more. Do we pray, Lord, direct my heart 
even deeper into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Moving on, verses 6 to 15. Two sets of people. And Paul starts by describing one set of people as being idle. Uh, when he's talking about idle, he's not talking about people who are not working just because they don't want to. He talks about, sorry, he's not talking about people who can't work, he's talking about people who, who don't want to. We don't know whether it's uh, the culture, the Greek culture, who look down on people who work, or whether they're actually waiting for Jesus' return. We just don't know. It's just he says that they didn't want to work. But, but he didn't stop at people being idle. He says they're not busy. <coughs> Excuse me. They're busy bodies. He says some were disruptive. Again, we don't know why they were disruptive. They just were. But he doesn't leave the description there. He says they were idle. They were disruptive. They were not living according to the teaching that Paul had passed on. Quite a description, isn't it? Quite a, a negative description of people. Idle, disruptive, not living according to Scripture. But then he moves on to a, another set of people. And, and Paul sees himself very much part, these people, th their lives are an example of others to follow. We see that in verse 7. And rather than being idle or Relying on other verse says they work night and day in order not to be a burden. Verse 9, we told that they even give up something what was their right to encourage other people. So we have two groups. One idle, disruptive, not living according to the teaching. You're the hardworking, willing to give up benefits that they were rightly due to and even be an example to others. So perhaps the, what we need to do is ask which group we're in. Now, I know that's a very broad question, so let me try and narrow it down. Can we ever be classed as being lazy? And I don't mean no going out and, and working for a living, but being lazy in the fact that when we come to church, everything else is done, and all we want to do is come, Sit, be blessed, go home. And if we're not blessed, we'll see why well, I didn't get much out of that service today. Didn't think much of them. But we weren't willing to bless others. We weren't willing to get involved. We weren't willing to do our part in the fellowship. Are we spiritual lazy in the, in the way that we're fading off the work of others? And what about being good members of the fellowship? Are we good members of the fellowship 99.9% .9 of the time? But there's that one thing that gets our goat. And I will have my say no matter what. And I will mention this or I will mention that. Just, just that one thing. And we know it's going to cause heartache. We know it's going to cause pain. But I'm going to have my say. And what about living or submitting to the teaching of Scripture. Uh, again, we might 80, 90% of the time live under the authority of Scripture, but there's that one thing in our lives, one thing in our lives that, I'm sorry, God, I just can't give that up.
Or are we willing to give up our rights? Are we willing to, to take a step back, even though we have every right to do this or every right to do that? We're going just going to say, no, let somebody else do that. Because I want to encourage them in the Lord. Yes, I might be able to do it better. Yes, I have every right to do it. But I just want to encourage them and bless them in the Lord. Are our lives our, an example to follow? I find that quite, quite a challenge. As well as describing the two groups, Paul describes the attitude of both groups as well. And if I can paraphrase in verse 12, he starts by saying, Listen, if there's something not right in your life, get it sorted. Have a word with yourself. Start doing what Scripture wants you to do. Start doing what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And if we are being examples, carry on. Don't tire of doing good, because we do get tired. We do get weary. We do get down. Paul says, carry on. Keep the faith. Keep going. And the attitude to each group, he says, why, if you're in the good group, just be careful who you spend time with. Perhaps even worth keep your distance from those who are not doing right. Not that you want to shun them, but to show that you love them and that you want to get them back on course. You want to get them back to Jesus Christ. Let me draw to a, a close. And he, he closes with similar words that as he opened the letter, way back in chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says this, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he says in verse 16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And verse 18, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. We've considered a number of points today. We've asked for, for prayer for ourselves. We pray that the, the gospel might go quickly, but it might be honoured as well at the same time. We've looked to God to, to keep us away from the evil one. Ask that God will, will see us into the future, but in the future that we might even get to know Jesus even more than we, we know right now. But as we do all that, I pray that we might have the peace of Christ in our hearts. That the grace of God may continue to show his mercy and blessing. May you be blessed. Amen.